If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And I've been in the series Desire. We've talked about, one, desiring God. We've talked about desiring the Word. And in this, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? Because if you... What I'm ministering is, it's one, to paint a picture on the inside of your heart because there's a lot of people that don't know the complete reason for purpose of the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to us. It's kind of like, well, we know about God, we know about Jesus, and this Holy Spirit thing is this other thing over here that we don't quite understand, but yet, you know, what, so what is his role in our lives? And last week, talking along these lines, I talked about the fact that he's a treasure. And, and so let's look at this in Luke chapter 11. It says, for everyone, this is verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from his father, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, meaning natural, if you being natural, just a natural father, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if you being natural, know how to give good gifts, and that word good gifts is a treasure that exceeds, how much more, Arnold? Will the Heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit? He's a treasure. He's a treasure that exceeds. Let's go to John chapter 14. I'm just going to do a little bit of kind of a review and then we'll get into John chapter 14. You see, the Holy Spirit is precious, valuable. And he's a, you know what? You have to yield to a gift. You have to receive a gift. So if God has brought this gift and he has given this gift, then it's something you have to take out your hands and receive it. You have to welcome it. But one, if you don't realize it's a gift, you'll never ask for it. If you don't know the importance of it, how will you even know to even say receive it? And how will you know if you even got it? John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That he, it doesn't say that it, it says he, that he may abide with you forevermore. And then it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Meaning, if you don't know about him, you're never going to ask for him. So I can never expect someone in the world to be led by the Holy Spirit because, one, they don't know who he is and they've never heard of him. They don't know him. So why would you even ask for him? But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'll come to you. Meaning, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send someone just like myself. And if we get over to verse 26, it says, These things have I spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, then it tells us who the helper is, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send 
in my name. He, he, he will teach you. You see, Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a something. He's not a feeling. He's not a goosebump. He's not tongues. He's not falling down. He's not wind. He's, that's how they try to explain him. He's not oil. It's just a symbol that describes him. He's not a dove. It's just something that descended like, he, like a dove. So, so, but yet he's a person. And you know what? A person wants a friendship. A person wants a relationship. This, the, the Holy Spirit is not like a, 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 a pen that I use. No, he is a person that wants to guide me, that wants to direct me throughout my life. And you know what? The Holy Spirit isn't just for doing ministry. The Holy Spirit is to lead us in all of our ways. The Holy Spirit is a treasure. He's a gift. He's precious. Bible tells us that he can be quenched. Bible tells us that he can be resisted. I mean, for all the husbands out there, you don't want to resist the communication that's to happen between you and your wife. Because believe it, you will quench the spirit. <laughs> you know, this is one of those off the cuff analogies, but, but you got it, right? You all got it. So we, we need to have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. Thank you, Father. Go to Mark chapter 16. I didn't mean to choke you up there, but... So just, just in reference, and I didn't focus on it just a second ago, but what did Jesus say? The Holy Spirit would not only be with you, but would be what? In you. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 that you are, you are the temple of God. Can you, can you say that? Say, I am, I am the, temple the temple of God and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
We see this as what we call the Great Commission. We see it in Matthew chapter 28. It tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Let me ask a question. I don't know just how I, how I worded this. Have you ever done something the hard way and realized there was a better way? I mean, have you done something the hard way and realized there was a better way? Well, we've all been there. So it's like, oh, that's how you do that. You see, if you really take it down to its, this great commission, if we really look at it, in and of yourself and myself as a person is an impossible task. Ryan Flowers, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. Now think about it. I mean, now I know we're, 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 you're, you're agreeing and you're saying yes because, because we've heard this scripture and we've heard the Great Commission and we've heard it and we've heard it and we've heard it and, and yet, but yet a lot of us aren't doing it. Why? Because we're afraid. A lot of people don't want to pray for people that are sick because they, they're afraid that they won't get results. Why? Because really in itself, it's an impossible task. But you know what? God never intended for the disciples to do this in and by themselves. When Jesus told the disciples and, and, and told all those that were sitting on a hillside teaching the, what we call the Beatitudes, and he tells them, you are the salt, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Now, you know what? He did not say, you know what, guys, you're going to become this, you're going to become the light of the world, and you're going to become the salt of the earth. No, he said, this is what you are. Yes. It's not what you're becoming, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's whose you are. So when Jesus gave them this great commission, it wasn't without the ability to accomplish it. As a believer, I want you to see, hear this. He has not asked you to do one thing by yourself. He doesn't want you to parent by yourself. He doesn't want you to, to, to be a spouse by yourself. He doesn't want you to be a business person by yourself. He doesn't want you to navigate your workspace and what God's called you to do in your working environment by yourself. He's given us himself. You know, part of the Great Commission in, in, in Matthew 28, that part, it says, what do you say? Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, some people argue that, okay, well, you need to be water baptized to be saved, which is false. For some people, that could have been a sacred cow I just knocked over. But, <laughs> but let's get, a whole, let's get a, even a, a, a bigger revelation than this religious aspect of being baptized. The word baptized to be, means to be immersed in. 
It means to be thoroughly filled with. It means to be fully covered by. So let me put, let's read it this way. And you will go immersing people in the Father, immersing people in the Son, and immersing people in the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, God was with and upon people. But in the New Testament, God is with. Jesus would be Emmanuel, God with us. And he would be in us. That means we're to be immersed in the Father. Immersed in the Son and immersed with the Holy Spirit. See, that takes it beyond this. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. I've had people argue with me about baptizing Jesus only. And I'm like, really? This is an argument. I don't have time to go there this morning. (laughs) But the point is, this is something that we need to be totally filled with. And it should resonate in every area of our lives. Go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Say, I'm going to the maximum. That's what 2023 is the year of the maximum. Going to a higher, the highest level attainable. The disciple is going into all the world. What does that, that also mean? People say, well, you know, well, 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 pastor, I'm not going to be able to go into all the world, but you're going to go to Fort Worth. You're going to go to, it, it means your sphere of influence. It means wherever your sphere of influence is, that's what God has, has graced you and you have the Holy Spirit to influence it. John 16, oh, where's our father? Verse five, it says, but now... I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Say advantage. Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of sin. Judgment, righteousness, not going to get into that. Maybe next week we'll get into or the next time I minister, we'll get into this. But he says, he gives you, he, Jesus said, I've got to get out of here. So many people would say, oh, well, just Jesus just walked the earth today. According to this, Jesus said, No. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave. One, because of salvation. Number two, if I don't go, then the helper can't come. We can also say that Jesus is saying, hey, I got to get out of here because the one that helped me is the one that's going to help you. The one that helped me, he's going to help you. 
is going to give you the advantage. Now, the King James uses the word, it's expedient that I go away. That's what the King James uses. Now, the word in the, the, word in the Greek for expedient, one, first part of the word, it's two different words. And the first word means to join together. He said, it's expedient that I go away. The first part of the word means to join together. And the second part of the word means profit. That's what the word in the Hebrew means. I mean, the Greek means expedient means to join or to bring together to profit. In our English understanding of the word expedient... It means to hasten progress. It means to have a quicker success. Meaning you don't want to stand in line. You want things to be expedited. You, you, you don't want to wait. You, you want it right now. You want it right now. So when Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away, he's saying, hey, I've got to go because what's going to happen is I'm going to join you together with someone greater and he's going to expedite your profit. Meaning I've got to get out of here because I've got to join you with the one that helped me. And when you join with him, he's going to take your success to another level. He's going to take you to the maximum. He's going to take you to the greater. He's going to do things through you that you couldn't do by yourself. That's why I've got to leave. It's to your advantage that I leave. So yeah, you might have an impossible task in front of you. You know, there's meetings that I've had to have. There's corrections that have had to take place. There's uh, situations I've been in, in the public, going on to a, to a scene. I'm a clergy with, Fort, with the police department and going on to a scene where someone has just been killed. And, and how do you, what do you say to that person? In myself, I have no clue. But yet soon as I'm there, and I go to greet that person, the Holy Spirit just kicks in and all of a sudden the right words come out. I mean, you could have this meeting that you could be having with an employee or, or someone and you're like, it's, it's like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to have to deal with this. But the moment you go and say, Holy Spirit, I am, I am tapping into you. I have boldness because of you. I have wisdom because of you. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for aiding me in this meeting right now. Give me direction. Give me direction in this Holy Spirit. You see, I, I want to take it out of the form of just this ministry aspect of things and saying, hey, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you in this. I need you on how do I respond? How do I do that? Where do I go? How do I do it? What do I do with our savings account? What do I do with this? How do I navigate this? And what's going on here? He's given us the advantage. He's joined us together with someone that is going to bring profit to us. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke 24. Thank you, Father. 
Now, this is another aspect of the Great Commission. Verse 20, verse 46, sorry. It says, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. This is Luke 24, 46. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Are you grateful for that? He goes, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, and you are witnesses of these things. He's pretty much telling him, and you've witnessed this salvation. Verse 49, but he says, behold. Best translation for this word behold means what comes next. See, we always want to know, well, what's next? You tell your kids that, well, this is what we're going to do. And then, well, what's next? What's next? So, so okay, God, you, you want us to do all this? You, you want us to preach the gospel for the remission and the repentance of sins? And see, it's like, wait a minute, these, this, is, this is challenging. How do I do that in myself? You know, I don't minister up here in myself. I can't. I'm afraid to talk in front of people if you believe it or not. I'm not afraid. That's not a good word. I prefer not to talk in front of people. It's not like, hey, look at me. Uh, No. I mean, yeah, the first couple years preaching, they called me the red-faced preacher. You know how loving moms are. You know, they believe the best. And my mom was like, when the anointing comes on him, he turns red. I said, mom, that's not the anointing. That's fear. That's fear. That's all it is. There's nothing, there's nothing to do with the anointing. It has to be, a, I'm totally afraid. You got to love moms, you know. It's it, it, the Holy Spirit. You know, before I come out here, I say, just like David Young, he chose from Korea, let's go, Holy Spirit. Why? Because I don't want to give you, Justin, I don't want to give you just some religious aspect of things. I want something fresh coming out of here to you from heaven. So he was this this remission of sins. He goes, and behold, what comes next? He goes, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. So he gave the assignment. You see, every great assignment is going to have, from God, has to have a great ability attached to it. If he gives you an assignment for your life. He's a loving father. And therefore, because he gave you the great assignment, he's going to give you the great ability to accomplish it. He's not going to, he's not going to call you to do something in and of yourself. 
Now, in the natural, you need to prepare. In the natural, you need to, you need to seek the Lord. In the natural, yes, when I study, yeah, I'm going to study hours and hours and hours and hours and pour into, pour into, and pour into. But even when I'm studying, I'm still counting on the Holy Spirit to direct me. Yeah. Amen. And so what I poured in throughout the course of a week or what, throughout the course of a day, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, help me release the Father's heart. He's saying, Behold. What comes next? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He says, behold, I'm going to send the promise of my father upon you. He goes, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Meaning, look, I'm giving you this assignment. I'm, 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 you, you've got an impossible task in front of you. Just like I had an impossible task. But you know what? I'm going to send you the empowerment to accomplish. I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send your helper. I'm going to send, the Greek says, the paraclete, meaning one that walks beside you. Para meaning beside. And cleat meaning with. I'm going, to someone to, I'm going to send someone to walk with you. Freddie, do you have? Now, I want you, this word in do, now, there's a, there's a lot of definitions that, that we could look, and a lot of times it talked about clothes, like putting on a garment. I mean, you know, in do, that you would be endued with power, so it's like putting on this mantle, and that's true, but I want to take the definition a step farther. Now, the word in do means... It doesn't just mean put on a garment, but it means to sink into a garment. It means it's the same picture and image as if you would to turn a white shirt into a red shirt. You know what? And with that is once you dye that shirt, you can't take it out. So as much as I would like to, this was water. But now it's totally changed because something's been endued into it. It's something has been sunk into it. So now, now it's not water. It's now it's totally changed its entire identity. Now we call it tea. And that's what Jesus was saying. Go there until the Holy Spirit is sunk into you. Because see, if I look at it as just a coat, then I can take the coat off. But when I look at it, it becomes a part of me and it's a part of who I am. Then now I know that where I go, the Holy Ghost goes. It's not something that all of a sudden I just take off and say, hey, well, I'm going to go into this place. I'm, Holy Spirit, you stay over here for a minute. No, he's there. And you know what? You're going to be uncomfortable the entire time. He's, you see, you will no longer have the comfort and no longer the joy of sinning. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit has sunk into you. It means to sink into a garment. So when he endues us with power, it's not just, it's not just a, a feeling I have. That's why when people talk about being Pentecostal or charismatic, it's like they, they, we constantly look at the manifestations of things. And we may get into some of those things. And, and therefore, people even don't, don't even have a full understanding of what it even means to be spirit-filled. No, I'm spirit I'm wall-to-wall God. You're like, are you calling yourself God? I didn't say that. I'm made in his likeness. I'm made in his image. 
I'm a son of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. My father is his father. And his father is my father. And he's given me his spirit. Somebody said, go to Jerusalem. Because you can't do. And he says, tarry there, wait there. Could you wait somewhere for 10 days and not leave a room? I mean, Jesus spoke to 500 people after his appearing. 500 people? And yet only 120 showed up? He said, tarry there and wait until the Holy Spirit, his fire sinks into you. His person sinks into you. Man, think about it. The Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't want to get ahead of myself in future weeks, but man, I'll just throw this out and we'll get into later weeks. But I can be just like Jesus because I have the helper. I can walk in the same power Jesus walked in and I can have the same character that Jesus had. Because when I received and the Holy Spirit sunk into me, I have all the characteristics that he has, which we will call the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There's nothing that I have to lack. I can love like he loves. I can have joy like he has. I can have self-control like he has self-control. I can have gentleness like he has gentleness. I can have temperance like he has temperance. I can have faith like he has faith. Man. Why? Because he's not a something. He's not an it. He's not a feeling. He is a person. He gives us the advantage. Thank you, Father. Jesus needed this. I think about it, Acts 10, 38, turning there. It says, how God anointed. The word anoint just means to rub all, rub, smear into and rub all over. I won't mess your hair up, Pastor. (laughs) Maybe I'll mess your hair up, Brian. How God anointed, rubbed on, smeared all over, totally infused Jesus. How God anointed Jesus. In case we didn't know which Jesus it was, he's the one from Nazareth. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What did he rub on him and smear all over? The Holy Spirit and power. And what happened? It says then he went about. Meaning it wasn't until he had these two things that he was then able to go about. See, we have to not go about until we understand what's in us and on us. That's what Jesus was saying. Hey, you've been called to great things like, like I was called to great things, but you need the anointing and the power. You need the Holy Ghost and the power. And when he had the Holy Ghost and the power, he went about doing good 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. He needed this. It gave him the advantage. It gave him the joining together to bring profit. Hasten success. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Do you have time for maybe two? two uh, thank you, Father. It's more of just a teaching this morning. You're receiving something. Yes. Hallelujah. Just confess this after me. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. That, you me, that you lead me. And you guide me. You guide me. In, every area in every area. Of my life. Of my life. Mm. Thank you Father. Second Timothy. Thank you Lord. Look at verse 6. Now, Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy is a young pastor. He is pastoring the biggest church. It's a mega church. And, um, and yet, he has a lot of, he's getting a lot of confrontation. So much so that really Timothy wants to give up and Timothy wants to quit. But Paul has to remind him throughout some of his writings. He goes, hey, you know, he goes, I remember the faith of your mother. And I remember the faith of your grandmother. And he says, and I want to remind you that that faith is in you also. Why? Because Timothy has a great assignment upon his life. I want you to know you have a great assignment upon your life. You may not know what it is yet. You may not know. uh, uh, You may know. You might know what it is, but whatever it is, you have a great assignment. And with every great assignment... The enemy is going to bring great attacks to keep you from the assignment. And so we pick this up in verse 6. He goes, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir, stir the gift. Meaning, meaning what came on you when I laid hands on you. When you were a child, when you were young, before you were ever in ministry, stir up that gift. What? The Holy Spirit's a gift. Stir up the gift. Meaning you're not, you're not taking advantage of the gift. There's been so many times in my life where I've tried to do stuff in Justin's strength and the Holy Spirit, the the, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, Hey, what about me? What about me? And like, well, you know, I, I, can do, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. But the thing is, the Lord's not expecting me to do it by myself. Stir up the gift. The gift. The gift that gives you the advantage. Next verse says, for God has not given you, giving us a spirit of fear. So what was Timothy's problem? Fear. Every single one of us in this room 
the enemy will use fear, insecurity. There's other forms of fear that come in the form of shame. There's other forms of of fear that come, guilt, insecurities, past mistakes, past experiences, what other people have done to you, what other people have said to you. Other situations, but the root of it will come down to fear. And so this was the, the thing that, that, that Paul was dealing with in Timothy's life saying, Timothy, you got a great call upon your life. You're called to take over what I handed you. So therefore stir the gift up when I laid hands on you. And remember, when I laid hands on you, the spirit that I imparted to you was not a spirit of fear. Meaning this fear that you're dealing with is not a fear that God placed there. Because I did not give you a spirit. God, the spirit that came on you, this gift. We know the gift had to do with the spirit. Because he said, hey, it didn't give you a spirit of fear. But it was power, it was love, and it was a sound mind. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and, and he tells them, and he says, and power will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. He was saying, when the ability comes on you, when the abundance of might comes upon you, when heavenly strength comes upon you, when the anointing of God, whatever you want to call it, when it comes upon you, is going to cause you to be a witness. It's going to cause you to be a force. It's going to cause you to be unstoppable. It's going to cause you to be bold in the midst of other situations where people would just be afraid. But no, you'll have boldness. Why? Because you are endued with this power. So Paul was saying, hey, hey, that spirit that when I laid hands, stir that up, stir that up is down on the inside of you. Meaning you stir that up and then the fear leaves. Spend more time focusing on the gift that I've placed you instead of the fear that's in front of you. Because what God placed on you is power, ability, might. What I placed on you is love. John tells us what perfect love casts out fear and a sound mind. I have all the ability that I need. I have all the love that I need. And my mind is clear. With the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit, I have all that I have need of. Dr. Savelle spoke a couple weeks ago that I'm fully supplied. He infuses inner. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the word Christ there is not Jesus' last name. Wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. That was what was on him. Jesus Christ. Jesus the anointed one. I can do all things through the anointed one in his anointing that strengthens me. Amplifies that it says infuses inner strength into me. So when Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But what? Of power, of love, and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit can cause my mind to be clear in chaotic times. The Holy Spirit can cause me to love when I should be angry. Because if I can't love, then my faith can't work. And and the Spirit is power. I mean, I have 
ability to accomplish the task, Arnold. We have time for one more. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. It's teaching this morning. My heart is just to expand your understanding of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. This is why I'm what you would call Pentecostal. This is why you would call I'm charismatic. Because if I take, if we take the Holy Spirit out of the equation, we're just like any other religion. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 3, Lord, where do you want me to start? 14. It says, For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. Now, do you know who the pastor of the church of Ephesus is? Timothy. Timothy, at this time, because Paul is in prison pretty much. So Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. So what does he say? For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven as earth is named, that he, the Father, that he, the Father, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. What would the riches of God's glory look like? That out of the riches, out of what heaven has to offer, he would grant you according to what heaven has to offer. And what is it? What is the riches of his glory to do? To be strengthened with might. Paul's saying here that you would be strengthened. This is his prayer. You know what? This is my prayer for you. If Paul prayed this for the church of Ephesus, then I can pray it for the church of heritage. I pray. I pray that you would be strengthened with all might. Out of all that heaven has sent, all that heaven has to offer, everything that, ha- the f- that heaven brings, that you would be strengthened out of the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through what? His spirit. So where's the strength going to come from? Through the spirit. See, some of you are getting excited about the Holy Spirit now. Wow. He's my helper, Vic. <laughs> he's my strengthener. He's, he's the one that stands by me. To be strengthened with all might through his spirit in the inner man. Inner man. Inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you be rooted and grounded in love. May able to comprehend with all the saints. You know, the Holy Spirit does not come to speak of himself. That's what Jesus said. He came to speak of Jesus. That's what John says. 
Now, I'm glorifying the Holy Spirit in this for teaching. But understanding, how will the Holy Spirit strengthen you? He's going to, he's going to speak to you about Christ. How is the inner, how's the strength going to come into your inner man? How, how does he say here? It's, it's so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, to be comprehend with all, that you might understand, that you might comprehend. So the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, hey, Justin, you've got Jesus. J- Justin, get an understanding of God's love for you. See, that the Holy Spirit is going to take the word of God and he's going to communicate it to my heart. And he's going to say, Justin, you know how much Jesus loves you? Here you're standing before an impossible situation. The Holy Spirit is going to take the word of God. And he's saying, comprehend, understand the lengths and the depths and the heights of Christ's love. Justin, you will win. Justin, you will overcome because of how much God loves you. Comprehend with all the saints the lengths, the depths, the heights of that love. And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. This is how the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen us with all might when we, we expand our capacity of what Jesus has already done and what Jesus has accomplished. That you would be, what does that look like? That I'd be strengthened with all might in my inner man. That I would be filled, filled with all the fullness of God. Through the Holy Spirit, I can be filled with all the fullness. Mm. Thank you, Father. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now listen to this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that we ask or think. Look to your neighbor and say, he is above all you could ask or think. This is Paul's prayer. This is Paul's prayer that, that you, would, you would know the fullness of God and you would know that he is able to do, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask a think. Now listen, listen to this, according. Now what is this power? It says according. It's according to something. According to the power that works in us. Meaning it's going to be in direct proportion to what he prayed first, that you'd be strengthened with all might in my inner man. So your inner man grows and increases and you have a greater revelation of Christ's love, what God has accomplished. Now to him that is exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask, think, dream, or imagine according to the power that works in me. It's not Jesus working in me. He's at the right hand of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead me into positions and places in my life that are exceedingly, abundantly above I could, all I could ask, think, dream, or imagine. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit will lead you in places, situations, 
that are exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, think, dream, or imagine. Because of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do. I've stood before thousands of people and been able to share Jesus. That's not Justin. I've gone through situations and circumstances that most people would have quit. But because of the Holy Spirit and because of the assignment on my life, He is exceedingly, abundantly above all I could ask, think, dream, or imagine. To the, according to the power that works in us. First John four four. Stand to your feet. And I'll close with this. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Father. We'll put this up on the screen, but it's First John 4. Hallelujah. Verse 4. It says, you are of God. Now, I know it's a small word, but the word of. Say of. of. This word of means race. It means lineage. And it means generation. So he says, you are the race of God. You are God's race. You're like, no, I I thought I was white. No, I thought, no. You are God's race. Let's stop comparing ourselves with what our shell looks like. You are God's race. You are God's lineage. Now get this. You are God's generation. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm. (laughs) You are God's generation. Say this to me. We are God's generation. Woo! Mm. Hallelujah. He says this, he goes, you are God's generation. He goes, little children. And have overcome them. Who is the them? It's talking about the antichrist spirits in the world. That are already here, by the way. They're already here. You turn on the news, you're going to see the antichrist spirit. Do I need to list some? You are God's generation, little children, and if you overcome them, how do you overcome them? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Woo. 
You are God's generation heritage because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Smith Wigglesworth wrote this. It's in his book, Ever Increasing Faith. And he made this statement. He says, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. See, with the Holy Spirit, each one of us are a thousand times bigger than we are on the outside. Naturally speaking, you might be afraid to do what God's called you to do, but inside, you have everything you need. This week, you might have some challenging things that you know you're going to face, but I want you to know you're a thousand times bigger on the inside. The antichrist spirit that's in, in the world, the thing that's constantly being portrayed and put before our children and before our communities. I'm telling you, the church, this generation is a thousand times bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. But if you, if we don't know we have the advantage, we'll just settle for mediocre. We'll settle, settle for continuing to give in to temptations, continue to give in to, to, uh, to the rest of the world, continue to give in to the things that have controlled our lives for a year. No, say no more. No more. Why? Because I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have sent to us to give us the advantage. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, I decree over this church today that fear is a thing of the past. Shame is a thing of the past. Guilt is a thing of the past. And that from this day forward, they'll recognize that the Holy Ghost is the greater one that's on the inside of them. And they're not lacking anything. I declare that they're victorious. I declare that their relationship with God, with you, Father, is thriving, is flourishing. I thank you, Lord, according to Paul's prayer in 1 Corinthians, I decree and declare over them that they come behind in no gift, but they're fully fully furnished for every good work. As they leave here today, they will leave here knowing the strength of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If I could have our Thrive Group leaders, if you could come forward. If I could have Vic and Rochelle, if you can come forward. Hallelujah. Nikki, if you can come forward. Just look around. Thank you, Lord. Kyle and Brittany, if you can come forward. Just make sure I have enough people up here. Richard and Carol, if you can come forward. We're going to dismiss in, in, in a little bit. And uh, Joseph will continue to play and everything. But 
Like I said, we'll dismiss in a moment. But if maybe you're here and say, Pastor Justin, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come down to one of our leaders and they'll introduce you to this gift. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Justin, I've, fear has controlled me for far too long. You know, people talk about, we can talk about how does the enemy work and talk about demon possession versus demon oppression. There's a thing where, where it's like you, you're afraid to take a step further than where you've gone before because there's just something like on your shoulders. And that's not saying that you're demon-possessed. I'm just saying that you're oppressed by something that's keeping you from taking that next step. And sometimes things just need to be broken off your life. The Holy Spirit is in this place to do exactly what Jesus directed the disciples to do. So maybe you need healing in your body. Come to one of these prayers. They, they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. They've been endued with the Holy Spirit. You don't need pastor's hands, laid hands on you. It's a believer. It's a believer. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. And as you go this week, know and understand that the greater ones in you know that he's given you the advantage. And my assignment for you this week is for you to step out of your comfort zone and introduce the gospel to someone. You're like, well, how do I do that, Pastor? It's simple. Tell your story. It all starts with a conversation. Well, do I need to preach to them? No, just give your story. And let your story minister life into someone else's story. And I declare that the Holy Spirit, as you step out, the Holy Spirit will meet you right there. The Holy Spirit will connect with you right there. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Now you can stay as long as you want. There's not going to be a former. I'm just going to say go. But you can stay as long as you want. Danny, if you want to come up and lead some worship. But I know if you have different things you need to get to, but I know the Spirit of God is still moving and still working. And we want, to, we, we want to respect the moving of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel like you need to leave, you're more than welcome to leave. So go give him Jesus. Hallelujah. But if you need prayer for anything, maybe it's being refreshed, whatever it is, just come forward. Thank you, Lord.